good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Uh, this is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Scotty Riggs, and you're listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Hey, man. What's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie. Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. Hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you. Thank you. Hear me. Fear me. What's going on, guys? This is a 7-foot, 330-pound DNA of TNA. That's right. My DNA is outer space. And you're listening to the two-man power trip of professional wrestling. You know, I, I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know 10 times more than I do. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two man power trip of wrestling. You're gonna have to deal with me once and for all. And this represents little old Lexi. You make me sick. You get ready for the bell and not be ready for the jack ladder and all these other things, because in just in a few seconds, I'm bringing that bell out there and I'm gonna take that title and I'm gonna take it all the way back to Texas. This is the two-man power trip of wrestling, brought to you today and powered by Bombas. Bombas is a mind-blowing athletic leisure sock designed for your comfort and with a mission to help those in need. And with that being said, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, Primetime, John Paz. And John, what a show we have in store today. Episode number 102 featuring Stan the Lariat Hansen. And you did a hell of a job getting Stan Hansen on our show. And I'll tell you something, he's always been a guy we've talked about through the history we've had thus far, you know, in talking about his style, talking about matches he's had, talking about some of his tag team partners, referencing Dan Spivey, uh, talking about him a few episodes back. But can you even put into words the honor it was of talking to Stan Hansen and the conversation that you guys actually had prior to our show taping and the uh, the kind of the little friendship that you and Stan, the Lariat Hansen, actually kind of uh, made up together. Well, Chad, we have done it yet again. Another fantastic interview we did, and this time Stan, the Lariat Hansen, the greatest guy gin wrestler ever in the history of the business, and... What an absolute honor it was to get Stan Hansen on the phone and get him for this interview. Ooh, it was a doozy. I absolutely loved it. It was just, like I said, such an honor to be able to talk to him and get him on the phone. Because um, prior to, uh, obviously, the interview, we, you know, I contacted him, and it was just great having, uh, you know, there were small conversations, but just great talking to him. And, uh, you know, he was wondering, you know, about us and about me and stuff, so... 
it was really, really cool to get to talk to him because you, you, you know him as Stan Larry Hansen, the, the tough guy, the mean guy. But when it gets down to it, he's a sweetheart of a guy who's super nice, uh, very accommodating to us, um, just just a great guy. And we got to talk a little bit, uh, you know, off the air about uh, Bruiser Brody and stuff. So it was very cool and uh, almost surreal to be able to talk to uh, the Lariat off the air, you know, and just, uh, you know, be shooting the breeze and talking about Bruiser Brody and stuff. So really awesome to uh, to get Stan on. And I can't really put into words, uh, you know, the way I want to, the absolute honor it is to actually interview Stan Lariat Hansen because I'm a huge, huge fan been so for a long time as chad you know and hopefully a lot of listeners know huge fan of uh, japanese wrestling and uh, stan hansen being the greatest guy jen ever obviously played a huge part in uh, the japanese wrestling scene for many many years i mean he was doing so well over there he barely even needed to work in the states so i mean obviously you know he was in the awa he was in the wwf and uh, wcw and stuff but i'm saying uh, the bulk of his career was in japan and that's where he really really made his mark and so much so that he didn't really need to uh, wrestle too much in the states which is saying a lot i mean traveling all the way over there back and forth i'm sure he did uh, over 100 tours and just absolutely uh dominated over there and uh was the number one guy for a long long time in, in an organization in all japan pro wrestling that had guys like kawada misawa kobashi and so on so it was unbelievable to be able to get Stan the Laird Hansen on for this interview because like he told me he's very rare he doesn't like to do a lot of interviews now tell me what are your thoughts about Stan Hansen actually as an in-ring worker you know having some of those brutal stiff stiff matches and just really going balls to the wall and pulling out all the stops and just quite frankly beating the crap out of his opponent but uh being a tough son of a bitch was all in a day's work for Stan Hansen and as a worker and as uh, somebody who really, you know, kind of set himself out above the rest when it came to being a tough guy, what are some of your memories on Stan Hansen's style in the ring? Think about Stan Hansen. Big guy, tough guy, works snug, works stiff. But damn, did he have some great matches. I mean, geez, Louise, you just go through the history of his matches and it's just unbelievable. Like I mentioned before, Kawada, Misawa, Kobashi, uh, talking about Brody, Hanson wrestling, Tenru, which uh, he talks about in an interview or some of his favorite matches, and uh, Tenru's still going today, which is uh, quite crazy, but he will be retiring soon. Um, but back to Stan, I mean, he is one big, tough son of a bitch, and like we talk about, he's had a little bit of eye uh, problems. So, you know, he would definitely like to work snug and stiff because, uh, like he said, he really couldn't see that well. So it's just, it just, you know, worked hand in hand. It was great. And his style, the strong style, if you will, we definitely get into that a lot because, you know, him him and the Japanese guys and Brody and guys like that and, and uh, Dr. Destiny Williams and Bam Bam Terry Gordy, they kind of brought that style to the forefront. They really, you know, made that style what it is, that strong style, that Japanese style, that stiff, snug style. And, I mean, Stanson, uh, Stan Hansen excuse me, is right at the forefront of that. And it just look back at those matches, I mean, damn. You, you know, if you got to go to YouTube or you got to go to wherever you got to do, type in uh, some uh, Stan Hansen matches, and I guarantee you will absolutely love it because he's one of the greatest workers and one of my favorites of all time. 
a phenomenal look at a guy like Stan Hansen. It's going to be one for the books. But primetime, before we get into the interview, I just want to ask you, what are some of your favorite memories, maybe some of your favorite matches of Stan Hansen? Does anything really stand out? Because I know you're a huge fan of his Japan work, but I also know you're a huge fan of some of his other matches that we do get into in the interview. But uh, tell us, what are some of your favorite matches and favorite memories of Stan Hansen? Hmm, favorite memory with Stan Hansen, favorite match of Stan Hansen. Very, very hard to really think about that because there's so many and there's so many great matches and it's funny because uh, you know we played that clip of the, the promo Halloween Havoc that was for so long I was just thinking of of how much when I was a kid how much I loved that promo and I was like man this guy is scary man this guy is great I just love this you know he's spitting on the uh, the pumpkin he's he's you know making fun of Luger he's talking about bringing the U.S. title back to Texas there was always a, a favorite memory of mine that just stuck out immediately with Stan Hansen, especially as a you know young, impressionable kid or young, impressionable Mark, if you will. I just absolutely thought Hansen was awesome. And then, you know, watching him wrestle after that is just amazing because uh, if we're going to go favorite matches here, I did absolutely love his two matches with Luger, and we do get into it in the interview. Lex Luger was perhaps a bit underrated, and he loved his matches with Lex. He never had any problems with him. And to be honest, uh, those two matches that he had with Luger are two of my favorites from Hanson. They were just great, and obviously two of my favorites from Luger as well. But if you're talking about favorite matches, that's definitely up there. I can think of a uh, 1993 match. I believe it was a 1993 Wrestling Observer Dave Meltzer match of the year that Hanson had against Kenta Kobashi. I absolutely love that match and any other time that they had matches. I love all his matches with Tenru. I mean, his matches with Kawada Misawa are great. Uh, all his matches against Big Van Vader were just absolutely great, especially the one where, you know, stiffs him and knocks his eye out of his freaking socket. So any match with Vader and Hansen just automatically, you know, was going to be great. I could also think of a match he had in uh, 90 against Hulk Hogan when Hogan was still with the WWF. I mean, obviously, he was just part of this big super show. I just love that match because at that time, you weren't seeing Hogan doing a lot of matches like that. You know, it was kind of, um, you know, more WWF style, more of the sports entertaining style. So you weren't seeing Hogan doing those kind of matches, but he absolutely loved doing it. And uh, it gets a little bloody, gets a little wild, gets a little stiff. So that's one of the, my favorite hands matches. Absolutely love that. There's actually a great tag match with uh, Brody and Hanson versus the Funks that I absolutely love. And then there's this wild, wild brawl that we do talk to Stan about in the interview against Andre the Giant that kind of puts Stan on the map. Like, man, this, this guy can hang with Andre the Giant. He can hang with anybody. So I can't really, uh, you know, help you out with naming one match, but uh, there's about uh, 10 that I just named right there that I absolutely love. And it uh, just goes to show you that Stan is the man. Stan is the man indeed, and we thank him so much for coming on today, and we hope everybody enjoys this episode of the two-man power trip of wrestling, brought to you by Bombas. Primetime, hit him with a little two-man power trip of wrestling business and tell them all about the greatest sock in the history of socks. Bombas, the greatest sock in the history of socks. They're back, baby. Every time you purchase a Bombas sock, a pair of socks will be donated to the homeless on your behalf. So please go to our website, tmptofwrestling.com. That is tmptofwrestling.com. And go on the upper left-hand corner and click on the Bombas link. You will not be sorry. You will get the most comfortable, the best 
the greatest sock of all time. So please, that's Bombas, and check that out on our website on the upper left-hand corner. Now for some more TMPT business. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Rasslin' Pal and at Two Man Power Trip. Subscribe to us on YouTube. We are forever putting up great, great clips from all the stars that we've had on the show. And please subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a review. We would love to hear your feedback. Also, when you're on iTunes, check out the feed. Yes, all our prior episodes are on there, including episodes of the late Great Dusty Rhodes, Sergeant Slaughter, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Harley Race, and so, so, so many others. So please check that out on iTunes. And also, don't forget to check us out on the i95 Sports Network. Yes, that's right. Put it in the old Google machine. They have an app as well. It's the i95 Sports Network, and you can check us out on there as well. And if you're looking to book Kevin Thorne, a.k.a. Mordecai, a.k.a. Kevin Fertig, please email bookings at tmptofwrestling.com. That is bookings at tmptofwrestling.com. And that is for the legendary Kevin Thorne, a.k.a. Mordecai, a.k.a. Kevin Fertig. Now, without any further ado, we send it to one of the greatest of all time, the greatest guy, Jin ever in the history of the business he is the man he is the myth he is the legend he's a former united states champion he is a former triple crown champion he is the lariat he is stan hansen please enjoy Well, joining us on the line tonight is a larger-than-life, all-time great of professional wrestling, known for being every bit of his nickname, The Lariat. He's a former four-time Triple Crown champion, a former AWA world champion, an NWA United States champion, and an eight-time All-Japan Tag Team champion. It's such an honor to be talking to the great Stan The Lariat Hanson. Thank you for joining the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, let me tell you, I appreciate y'all uh, reaching out to me, and uh, it's really nice to be here, and thanks for all the uh, the nice things you've, I guess, already said. But uh, anyway, looking forward to visiting with you all. Well, it's our pleasure, as I can't put that over enough. But, you know, just uh, the easiest question I could probably ask you tonight is how you been and uh, what have you been up to? Well, um, uh, I've been retired a while and uh, from, you know, injuries over the years of wrestling. And uh, I still go back and forth to Japan almost every year. And uh, they they bring me back and uh, uh, give me a chance to see some of the fans and everything. And uh, I really enjoy that. I've always enjoyed Japan for, you know, 25 years of wrestling, but also uh, 10, 15 years now since... Uh, I was retired, so uh, basically that's kind of what I'm doing. Uh, all my kids are grown, and uh, my wife and I are, are here in Texas, and uh, we, uh, you know, living a, a nice life. You know, not a rich life, but a, a nice life, and uh, uh, I'm happy. 
That's phenomenal to hear. That is awesome. And you know, the last time I could say we definitely did hear from you was when you published your book, The Last Outlaw, through Crowbar Press, which, you know, it's got to be down there as one of the most entertaining wrestling books that you could possibly find on the market because you have so many great parts of your career to talk about. But one thing I always want to know when we talk to anybody who writes a book, and especially somebody with your background, was it as much fun reliving them pen to paper as it was while it was going on? <laughs> well, nothing's ever as, as good by uh, memory as it probably happened in uh, at the time. But, uh, you know, I really enjoyed <clears throat> it. Took, I, I took took a long time uh, writing that book and and uh it what i mean it had to be about me of course but you know i really i wanted to talk about all the great great guys characters pro, pro wrestlers that i that i intermingled with over the years and uh you know it, it was just an honor to you know to be around a lot of those guys they taught me things from the very beginning and to the very end, you know, uh, uh, I have a lot of respect for the guys that came before me and during my time, and, uh, you know, some of them are, are still going. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's just there's a lot of great guys in wrestling, you know, especially the old school guys. I don't know a lot of the new guys, but uh, I'm sure, uh, you know, obviously they got some great talent too, but, you know, there were real individual characters. I mean, they had different kind of personalities, and uh, that's kind of what I set out to talk about. Yeah, and the, the book, book itself, I mean, you have stories about, I mean, the the veritable who's who, you know, of the history of professional wrestling, like Andre the Giant, Terry Funk, and Giant Baba, and Jumbo Saruta, Bill Watts, Dick Murdoch, all these names that now are becoming mythical in terms of, you know, the history of professional wrestling. But when you were writing this book, was there anything that really, like, you know, you had, maybe you had your mindset, I was going to go down, you know, this route, maybe tell a couple stories, but as you were writing, maybe something that kind of, like, boom, came to mind, you were like, I got to put this in the book. Is there anything like that, you know, triggered the memory while you were writing? Well, I did, you know, uh, uh, a lot of a lot of things came back, but uh, you know it's funny the the stories that I that I wrote about are are, are vividly in my mind, you know, and uh, uh, you know so it was uh, uh, you know it wasn't hard to conjure up the memories because I just I remember a lot of great things that happened, and uh, of course you can't put everything in a book, you know, about every every little deal, but and some things are best left unsaid, you know, but uh, anyway, we had a, uh, there's a lot of great memories, and I, I sure wasn't trying to bury anybody, or I, I don't even have a grudge against anybody that I can think of, and uh, even during the time of in the business, I was, might have got crossed with a few promoters and so forth, you know, those days are long gone, and, you know, I mean, you can't be bitter or hold a grudge or any of that stuff. So I have fond memories of everybody that I, I cross paths with, really. As somebody that you definitely had a lot of fond memories with and a good relationship with as you, you wrestled them and teamed with them, and the first time you ever, I guess, crossed paths was back, way back 40 years ago in 1975. Can you talk about your relationship with Bruiser Brody and you know what made you guys mesh so well together? 
Well, you know, uh, Frank Frank went to uh, the same uh, university I, I did, West Texas State, and you know, it, it, at the time, Frank, uh, we were both football players. Frank's uh, three years older than me, and and uh, he was already there. And when I came in as a high school recruit, and and I, I in the book I tell a great story about first time I ever met him, and uh, you know it's it's pretty funny, but but he he was uh, you know a really good athlete, you know it, it come out of Detroit and was uh, you know all state and two different sports, and he was a great athlete. But later I, I met him, and uh, you know when he was getting broke in. I got broke in a few years earlier than he did, and uh, he uh, uh, he was getting broke in in Dallas territory under Fritz von Erich, and uh, so you know he, uh, that's where I met him. I went up there as on loan from the Amarillo territory, and I met Frank. And anyway, we just kind of you know got we were both big guys, and we were trying to get bigger and. And be as nasty as we could, and he was real green, and I was pretty green. And uh, anyway, we just kind of meshed, and uh, that was our first get together. And later on, we uh, we ended up teaming up in Louisiana and New York, and of course Japan. Yeah, I mean Japan and you go hand in hand. You're probably the best guy, Jin, of all time. If uh, you know, if I could say that. Um, you you were just absolutely phenomenal, and your style was just perfect with the, you know the Japanese style. You know, a little snug, a little stiff. True. You know, you would work that way because you know, they, as they say, you had poor eyesight, so you wanted to make sure that you know nothing looked that it wasn't you know not legit. You know, I never uh, I never put it. You know, I I went out and worked my style. You know, and uh, you know, and and this. Come in twenty years later or whatever, you know. But I mean, I think I was instrumental in, and I was one one of some. But I was, I was really involved in the changing of the style of Japanese wrestling, and you know, towards more towards what became known as Japanese style wrestling. And uh, but and it was hard. And uh, but I decided to you know go out and do that. As far as my eyesight, my eyesight. I've, you know, I've been, uh, you know, I haven't been able to see. I wore contacts a couple of times, and I, it just didn't feel good to be able to sit out there and actually make eye contact with somebody. Where the other way, it was just uh, the haze of people, and there was never ever any kind of personal between me and the and, and the crowd. And and so I never worked the crowd. I never, you know, I just concentrated on my opponent and. The match, and I think that came through in in a lot of my matches. Oh yeah, no doubt about that. Now, if we can go back to about 1975, 1976 era in the WWF, where you really, really made a big name for yourself, and you, you know, quote unquote, took out Bruno San Martino. What was it like, you know, coming in there and you know, being the force that you were and facing one of the top guys in wrestling, in Bruno? Well, I mean, everybody, of course, I'd only been in the business like, uh, I think, about three years or something when I got the opportunity. Mike Pedusas, who was a, a, a guy who lived in Steubenville, uh, Steubenville, Ohio, and good friend of Bruno, he he was living in Dallas and going back and forth, and he saw me wrestling in the Dallas Territory, and he went back and told, told Bruno and Vince uh, Sr. about, 
you know, there's a big old Texan down there that might be good in New York. And so he was kind of instrumental in, in, in opening the door for me to get into New York. And then, of course, uh, you know, going with Bruno and then, you know, he, uh, he, uh, you know, I ended up hurting him the first match and, you know, it was, it was an accident, but it, it, it was a legit, uh, injury and, and I, he was just a class guy, man, just a class guy. He he never held that against me or anything, and I must say that Bruno is uh, one of the classiest guys I've ever met in the business. You know, he was, he was a legitimate superstar long before they used the word superstar in wrestling. And, uh, I mean, he was, he was literally, uh, uh, I hate to say it, but... <laughs> He was almost like a, a, a god in, in that uh, WWF territory, and and uh, he was, you know, and I hurt him, and it, it hurt the business, and it took a, a lot of opportunity away from Ernie Ladd and Ivan Koloff and Billy Superstar Graham, who were working against Bruno when I worked with him in the garden. So when I hurt him in the garden, he couldn't continue on and work against those guys. So ended up costing them some money because they didn't get to work with Bruno all the way through, and and uh, all all of them didn't outwardly hold a grudge against me. And I really appreciate that, you know. And uh, they treated me good, even when I was a young guy. Bruno, I mean that's that is amazing, and it's amazing that you know he came back and was able to beat you, and it became a a big time feud. But you mentioned you know Bruno being a big superstar and a big legend. Another guy that you know is considered a quote unquote maybe a god or something to a lot of re- you know a lot of wrestlers, a lot of fans was Andre the Giant. He almost became of a mystical proportions, and you had you know a feud with him uh, you know quite a few times. What was it like uh, feuding with Andre? Because I remember in Japan too. You, you mean you guys had a great uh, brawl as well. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, one of the, uh, you know, Andre, Andre was really a smart guy. You know, I, he knew who he was, his character, you know, what, what he could and couldn't do. And, you know, he, he was, he was like the special attraction that, you know, they would, you'd fly him in anywhere in the country, you know, Andre, the giants there and, and, and he would do, but he had a hard time working against, people that are in the territory because he's the giant and he's he's a huge guy i mean he's i mean he's so much bigger and stronger and everything than anybody it was hard for him to find some opponent and uh in japan it was the same thing i mean he can only work against the japanese so much you know anoki baba or whoever it might be uh so anyway and i was I was trying to come on, you know, I was, I had an opportunity and I was hungry and I was fighting to get the top spot. And anyway, I ended up fighting Andre and he was smart enough to, you know, to realize, well, Hey, he heard the people, you know, and the people's, you know, started, you know, they, they were interested in this big old Texan, you know, fighting Andre. And, and, uh, anyway, that's, that's kind of how it started. And Andre was smart enough to realize this was, somebody that maybe it would help him too you know and of course it did great business for new japan and uh anyway that's that's how it all started and uh again he was uh I, he was the guy that really i i always say that he's the guy that really got me 
really over in Japan is uh, that that fight between me and him and and uh, the match in the uh, Big Tennis Outdoor Tennis Stadium is still, I think, uh, known as one of the the best matches ever in Japan. You know, so that's nice to be involved in that. But I got a lot of respect for Andre. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a great wild brawl that they still talk about, you know, to this day, and it's a great match. And another random match you had in Japan with another guy who would be considered a giant star, you know, almost the uh, the Babe Ruth of wrestling, as they like to call him. And it was kind of set up through the WWF, and it was, I guess it was in New Japan, technically speaking, but you ended up wrestling the immortal Hulk Hogan. What was that like, and, and how did that go it, down? Was that the, the, immortal the or immortal? Immortal. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know the difference in those two words, but uh, you know, Hulk was—he uh, uh, ended up being a, a great guy, and I'm sure not. Uh, I mean, he became a, a great star and everything, and we were actually uh, kind of teamed up a little bit together over there for a while, and and uh, I came back years later uh, and uh, ended up having a match with him over there, and. And, but uh, at the time we were, were we were teamed up and, and and doing good for about a year and a half or so. So we got to know each other really well. And and then he came back to the states and and uh, put his emphasis in the states. And of course the rest is history, you know. And uh, you know he he was a good guy. He was a guy that had to came up the hard way, you know, had to sleep in a van on the beach and, you know, didn't have enough money to check in a motel a lot like I did. And, uh, you know, so I was glad that he had that kind of success. So, you know. Yeah, and obviously, you know, now he's going through uh, some issues, but, you know, that match was great. I mean, that was awesome. It was crazy to see, um, Especially at that point, Hogan have a have a match like that because he hadn't had a match like that in you know God knows how long because under the WWF was a, you know a little bit different. So it was great to see. Yeah, him, it was know, uh, it was brawl. different, you know. But uh, you know, I think I think Hogan enjoyed the fact that it, it was a different kind of match in the, than the WWF or whatever it was then, you know. And so, but but anyway, you know, I mean, he was successful. Every place he's been, and you know, I mean, I, I, I'm glad for him. You know, he'll bounce back. You know, he's a survivor. You know, he'll be, he'll be okay. Oh yeah, and uh, speaking, you know, it's funny you said it. Speaking about bouncing back and being okay, I vividly remember a great match, super stiff between you guys. It was you against Vader, and you basically knocked his eye, you know, out of its socket. You remember uh, that match and, and and how stiff it was between you and Big Van Vader? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, it was a uh, take it easy, Leon, man. I, yeah, you're hanging on to a big old bull moose, man. I tell you, Leon was big and strong and quick, and uh, you know he was he was a real deal. And uh, anyway, yeah, that match. It, I mean, it was. It was a brutal match. Uh, I don't think either one of us would probably want to go through it again, you know, but uh, or couldn't now probably. But anyway, he, uh, yeah, that was a big match, and uh, you know, a lot of it was just uh, hanging on, and he was hanging on. So uh, he was all uh, New Japan's guy, and I was all Japan's guy, and and so you know, it, it was pretty competitive, I must say, and it was stiff. I mean, he's stiff, and I guess I'm stiff, too. 
what was your thinking of when you know when he was kind of like holding his eye back from uh, popping out? Uh, you know, I really couldn't see. You know, I I, I couldn't. I mean, I saw. I saw him pull the mask off and grab his eye, you know, and I heard him say something. I, I can't remember what it was, you know, something in or or I don't know what it was. But uh, so I, you know, I just looked and, you know, and go on with it, you know. I mean, I don't know what, but I mean, I couldn't see his eyeball. I, you know, I don't know if his eyeball came out or if it just moused up. I, you know, I'm not sure what it is. People say it came out and he pushed it back in. You know, I, I, you know, I don't know. I couldn't see. Crazy, crazy moment. You know, regardless, it was a crazy moment. Really, you guys yeah. Had it. it was. Absolutely. What an awesome feud you guys had. I mean, obviously, you would wrestle a couple times after that. But, you know, moving on to another great feud that you have um, – I mean, I know you wrestled Kawada, but his big, you know, feud was with Masawa, and I know you and Masawa had a ton of good matches. What was it like wrestling those? And even um, Kento Kobashi is another great Japanese guy that you had great matches with, 1993 match of the year. What was it like working with those great Japanese guys? You meshed well, so well. Well, you know, I, I was really fortunate. You know, uh, I got to wrestle with all, all the great top Japanese guys. I mean, I, I, if I have a claim to – "Quote unquote fame," it's it's that I got to wrestle against the Noki, and then I got to wrestle against Baba, and then Jumbo and Tenyu, and uh, you know, and then Mazawa, Kawada, Kobashi, you know, in that order, and, and you know, they were just great, and and Tenyu, you know, and Tenyu was a great opponent. Also, I was teamed up with him a little bit, but uh, all those guys were really good and especially you know things changed over there and certain people left so all of a sudden they had these three young guys Kawada you know Kawada Kobashi and uh, Mizawa Mizawa was already pretty well established but Kobashi and Kawada were were coming up and and I just happened to be in the right place and uh uh, we had some great and did unbelievable business for about five or six years there that, you know, that was just, uh, it was great. And But they were great opponents, you know, that's the deal. You know, you can go out and have a match. And a match, you know, you can do your thing, but, you know, you, your match is only as good as your opponent. And, you know, I had some great opponents. All those guys fought from underneath, kept fighting from underneath, you know, they, it took years for them to get over me, and but when they did, the people believed in them because you know I beat the crap out of them for you know for five or six years, and, and, and when they they get there, then they have some legitimacy about you know who they are and what the how they got there, and and uh, but they were great great opponents, all three of them. I really really enjoyed working with those guys, you know. They were absolutely amazing, and your chemistry with them was amazing. Again, that, that Japanese stiff style, it was just great. And the Japanese fans just went absolutely nuts, you know, for your matches, and it was just awesome. And um, to get to, you know, end your career against Tenru, who actually is ending his career this year, coming up in November. Yeah, yeah that's right. Crazy. Yeah, he's coming up his last match or something, you know, and uh, he's had a great career, great guy. He, he was probably one of my favorite guys to wrestle, you know. He... 
he was my style, you know, he was big, strong. He never complained. I I mean, we hurt each other so much. I mean, so many times, you know, put stitches and so forth, this, that. And that. Anyway, but, you know, we never, you know, we, we, we didn't complain. You know, we didn't cry. You know, that was just Japanese style, you know. It's, anyway, not very many people could do it. That, you know, that's very, very true. And, uh, you know, a lot of, not a lot of people could withstand the punishment. And, you know, speaking of guys that were withstanding punishment, and we didn't mention them yet, but it was Terry Gordy and Steve Williams. And I know you had, you know, a lot of experience with both guys. You teamed with Gordy, you wrestled Gordy. It was just awesome. And I remember a match that I actually watched recently because we talked to Dan Spivey, and, you know, he mentioned it. So it was you and Dan Spivey against Gordy and Williams. Oh. What was it like working with those guys? I mean, it's, you know, talk about stiff. Yeah, you know, they were stiff, and they were both very good. And, of course, Steve, Steve to me, Steve was one of the, the most strongest horses, you know, in the whole the whole, the whole, whole business, you know. I mean, he could – I mean, he was he was a real deal, you know, and had a lot of respect for him. And, of course, Terry Gordy, he was, you know, he, he was probably one of the best talents, you know, to ever come down the pike, you know, and – uh, both those guys together as a team, but individually also, you know, they were really good. And and you mentioned Danny Spivey, you know, he, you know, next to Brody, you know, I guess uh, my my favorite partner was Danny Spivey. He he he's a big, strong, tall guy, and and uh, you know he, he I mean he 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 worked hard, and you know he was very believable, and and uh, he worked hard. So you know I I, I really liked Danny. As a person, but also as a partner, you know. But yeah, so we worked against those guys and had some matches where, I mean, I mean, sixty-minute matches, you know, that just were nonstop, just classic matches, and and uh, everybody was going at it. And uh, you know, I think, I think that's why the Japanese and all Japan pro wrestling just did great business for about fifteen years there. And oh, yeah, definitely had to be part of it, and they were part of it. Now, before John hits the uh, the wind-down portion of the show, I just want to ask you about your time uh, in Puerto Rico and one of the most intense rivalries uh, literally ever put on film, and that's you and Carlos Colon. Just, I know it's going to be tough to sum it up, but you know, some of those matches I know got a little hairy in Puerto Rico, and uh, sometimes you weren't just fighting your opponent, but you were fighting the crowd and fighting for your life. Yeah, you know, Puerto Rico, you know, I I call it a third world country, but it, you know, of course it, it it's not, but uh it was wild. It was completely different and uh the wrestling fans, I mean, they used to sell rocks so they could throw them at you, you know. So, I mean, you know, that's that's kind of what you had to deal with and uh they throw spark plugs and I mean, you grab a metal chair and the chair would be dented where your face is and you know, or spark plugs be hitting it, you know, and I mean, all sorts of things. But Carlos, Carlos was over and, you know, he was, I mean, he was like the top guy there. And, and, uh, I got hooked up with him and, and, uh, did, did good business down there with him. And, uh, he was, he was, you know, he was, he was a legitimate star in Puerto Rico for sure. And, uh, you know, so made, made a little money down there and, 
Now, you also spent some time in uh, WCW. Obviously, you rekindled a little bit of a feud with Lex Luger. I mean, you weren't there. I mean, uh, rekindled a feud with uh, Big Van Vader, and also you feuded with Lex Luger. And, you, you know, you didn't spend too much time in WCW, but did you enjoy, you know, your brief time there feuding with Lex Luger? Uh, you know, a lot. You know, I've heard a lot. Of, a lot of people say, well, you know, a few little negative things about Lex Luger. But you know, to me, he he was. Uh, I mean, he 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 was a, he was a good worker. He was obviously over. He, I mean, you know, he wasn't. You know, he wasn't on the. Well, I don't want to say you know this, that, or the other about. But but you know, as far as going, you know, doing business and. And being a prima donna, like I've heard a lot of people kind of say, I never ran into that. You know, he was, I think he was, he was in a great spot, and he made some great money. And I think a lot of that negative, a lot of guys saying negative, was the fact that they were just jealous of him and Sting's position and so forth. And, you know, they were they were in a good position. And uh, you know what? Uh, good for them. And uh, But I never had a bit of problem with uh, Lex Luger in the ring, you know, so we had some good, good matches there and, uh, you know, so I, I, I wish him a lot of luck. Yeah. I definitely feel like Lex was probably a little underrated. I mean, he was, he was definitely very good in the ring, you know, compared to what people say, it was crazy, but you know, just back to you, do you have, you know, it's crazy to say because you've had so many classic matches and obviously one of the best wrestlers ever, you know, as far as Americans in Japan and, do you have a favorite match or matches you've had in your career? You know, I've got so many. I mean, like I said, you can almost go, you know, in different, almost decades, you know, you can go to in the 70s, the 80s, and I don't know, but I don't even want to try to get into that. But, you know, I'm going to tell you, Terry Funk, the guy that broke me into the business, you know, he, uh, uh, he was in Japan, him and his brother, and Brody and I were there at about the same time, and we were, we were, trying to come up they were the established gaijin uh team there and uh you know we we were coming up and they were fighting to keep their position and we were we weren't trying to get their position but we were trying to get to a top position you know and uh so there was some real competitive competitiveness there between the funks and me and like i said terry broke me in broke me into the business but when it came to business you know we fought each other and uh, I think some of those matches between Terry and I, you know, were just class- classic matches. Before I got into the, you know, the real Japanese on All Japan, I, you know, I had this deal going with Terry. And uh, anyway, he's, uh, to me, he's, you know, he's Terry Funk. I think he's at the top, you know. He definitely is one of the greatest of all time, and no doubt about it, Terry Funk. But it's funny, he got you started in Japan, you you kind of, uh, you know, you built your reputation, you built it, you know, on hard work and skill, and, and you just loved the style you had. And I believe you were the only guy ever um, to defeat Anoki and Baba for championships. I could be wrong, but do you, do you know that as a, as a fact? Well, I mean, <laughs> as a fact, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I guess I did. I did do that, you know, but... Uh, and I just happened to be one of the few guys, I mean, the only guy that did it. I, I, I mean, I don't go around thinking to myself, well, I'm the, I'm the guy that beat 
you know, Anoki and Baba. But, you know, I mean, uh, it, it was nice to be involved in both of their business to the point where I had an opportunity to be in that position. So, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for both Anoki and, of course, Giant Baba, you know, very much Giant Baba, but also Antonio Anoki. He, he really gave me my first push to the top there and the opportunity in Japan, and I really, uh, you know, appreciate what what he did. But then, you know, I worked 25 years for Giant Baba, and uh, that was a guy – a godsend for me and uh i mean it was it was just a great relationship he didn't have to talk to me all the time and i didn't have to talk to him i just went out and did my did my deal and and i think he felt confident that i'd i'd do the best i could so anyway uh i enjoyed japan i mean i i missed out on a lot of this good stuff that was going on in the states but i wouldn't have traded it and i'm glad that i did it that way Yes, definitely. And your loyalty to Japan is, you know, second to none. Probably the greatest gaijin wrestler, you know, there ever was. And do you, you know, do you have, it might be hard to say, but do you have a favorite opponent? Because you had so many good ones. I mean, we mentioned Tenru and uh, Kobashi and Masawa and Kwada. Even in the AWA with uh, Rick Martel and Nick Bachwinkle and so on. Do you, can you narrow it down maybe to a couple guys who would be your favorite opponents? Well, I mean, uh, in the states or in the in, in Japan? <laughs> oh, either, either or. I know. I know you have a ton of great well, matches. I'm going to tell you. Like I said, when I was first came to to all Japan and uh, me against Terry Funk, uh, he was over so much. I mean, yeah, I mean, he was he was over more than any guy gene ever, anybody. To this day, and uh, at that time, you know, and uh, we 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 had some classic, really just classic, hard physical matches, and uh, you know, so that he would have to be one of my favorite opponents. And then, you know, you you have to go to the Japanese and uh, Kobashi and Tenyu and. Uh, you know those those second generation guys when I was a little older and they were younger and they were fighting fighting up you know uh trying to get get to the top uh, they were great opponents you know and uh you know and, and of course I guess going back uh I was so young and everything I can hardly remember <laughs> I can't can't remember a lot with Bruno, but as a person, Bruno is one of the you know the class guys you know, and like I've mentioned. But uh, opponent-wise, I think the, all those those three Japanese, four Japanese guys, and Terry Funk, you know, those those were the those were my favorite opponents, and 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 of course I got to mention Andre too, you know. I mean, of course, because. Uh, we didn't have a whole lot of matches, but the ones we did really stand out. And like I said, I think he was the guy that really got me over in Japan. And I told him that many times. I always thanked him for, you know, just, you know, giving me that opportunity, you know, to follow my lead, which was to fight him. And he was, he was a little shocked that somebody was going to fight him. But 
he was smart enough, like I said, to uh, you know to understand that that was actually good for him, and and uh, I mean it, it's history what, how it went. So it's hard to narrow it down. I I mean I just can't. I've I've had too many great great opponents, you know, and matches I guess. And so many, we've gone over so many of them. We really appreciate the time tonight. We just want to say that Stan, the Larry at Hanson, will be at WrestleCade this coming November. In yeah, Winston, yeah, I wanted Salem, to North get Carolina. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot to plug it. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going to WrestleCade. I hope I get the chance to see a lot of people out there in North Carolina. And looking forward to doing that. You know, I don't do it often, but I'm, I'm looking forward to coming. That's why when you get there now, because when he's gone, he's not coming back to uh, to that, at least to, to the WrestleCade. But let's also mention The Last Outlaw, the book by Crowbar Press. Get out there and buy it. It's crowbarpress.com. We thank you so much. Before we let you go, what would you say when you closed the book? Well, you retired, so you closed, and you wrote the book. So when you closed the book on the book, what is the legacy of Stan the Larry Hansen on the professional wrestling business? Ah, oh man, I you know I hadn't thought about that. I I think I think that I just kept on going. Just I, I would I keep going. You know, a lot of people couldn't keep going at the pace I did. I I don't know some for some reason through football or whatever. I I was uh, blessed to have some kind of really good stamina, and I was able to. Just keep going, and you know, I think that's what carried me through. So, I don't know. I I think that's the legacy is is that I could just keep going. Nice. <laughs> and we could keep going all night, but with the interest of keeping you here, we will let you go. But thank you so much for coming on with us. It's been a complete honor, and I hope uh, I hope you enjoyed yourself as much as uh, these two big old marks did listening to your stories. <laughs> Well, you know, the older you get, the more you end up liking to talk about things like this. I mean, I never was a uh, fan guy, but now I kind of enjoy the fans because the ones that remember me are, are from the old school wrestling, and it, it, it's kind of good to be around those people. Anyway, thanks a lot. Appreciate y'all reaching out to me, and I hope all the fans out there continue to listen to y'all's radio program. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. The honor is all ours. All right. Well, take care. Have a great night. Thank you very much.